0: Hello Seedlings, welcome to this podcast of Be Like a Tree, a podcast that explores how we as human beings can be inspired by lessons learned from trees. I'm your host, trauma-informed psychologist, founder of taproot psychology, and tree lover Dr. Kelly. On this episode of Be Like a Tree, we'll be talking to Dr. Sue Dawson. So to start off with, I'm just going to say, hi Susie, do you want to introduce yourself to us today? Hi, Kelly.
1: Um, thank you so much for inviting me to talk about my love of trees and really how my connection with nature as a counselling kind of psychologist, psychologist, um, before that a teacher, and importantly as a person, has really
0: sort of changed my life and guided my life throughout. And so could you tell us a little bit more about that in terms of your, your journey and relationship into how nature has guided you?
1: Yeah, I think it began as a child. So as a child, I was born into a family that was a grieving sister. My sister died four years before I was born. And she died when she was seven years old as a consequence of of medical negligence. Um, So she was seven, my brother um, was 10, and they were very close. And then I came along, you know, this child, Um, Children born after grief are often known as rainbow children. I was quite a complex little soul. So, you know, there's this kind of odious task of being a rainbow child (laughs) born after grief. Um, But I think it was my mom um, who introduced us to nature and connected us with um, stories of my sister um, through a forest, a local um, woodland, actually. And it's an ancient woodland. It's a bluebell woodland, and my sister loved bluebells. So I was introduced to the stories of my sister, that continuing bond, um, very positive stories about times they spent in the bluebell woods. And I always felt a close connection and a very positive connection. So it, it wasn't that the sadness was taking us back into the past. It felt like we were very grounded in the present and that Christine was coming into our presence through the stories. So we weren't being stuck in the past. And I think that was a great gift that my mum gave to us as children and the woodland gave to us. And this woodland is literally, um, it's literally a few minutes from where I live now. So when the bluebells are out in the spring, I always go there. And that's a time to connect in a very positive way In a very grounded way, you know, with family um, stories, but also in the present. And bringing it into who I am now and how those stories and those connections have shaped me as a
0: person. And the nature has always been so important to me. And that's such a lovely way of sharing the memory of your sister, Christina. And it reminds me of, it's actually my favourite children's book and it's called the memory tree so for listeners if you haven't seen it the memory tree is a story of a fox who passes away and how his friends gather around and tell stories about his life and through it a beautiful tree is grown and it kind of sprouts and it lives in the story, in the kind of forest through the stories and it feels like in terms of your family connection and way of being that unity of being in that woodland
1: Absolutely. And that kind of informed my practice because before I was a psychologist, I was a teacher, uh, a qualified teacher in special education. So I worked with um, young people with learning disabilities and I worked at the RSPCA as an education officer for 13 years covering the northwest of England. And really a lot of that work was outdoor education. And, you know, informed by forest school principals. I was working with young people who had quite traumatised backgrounds. And some of those young people had actually harmed animals or witnessed animal abuse in the home. So it was very much trauma-informed practice, but outdoors. And it was so important that these young people were outdoors as much as possible. Building that resilience, taking risks, you know, safe risks. And having that foundation really to learn to self-regulate rather than being forced to be in classrooms all the time. So that was something that I felt so strongly about. And I think that's what led me out of teaching in schools and going to the RSPCA. It was all about um, animal welfare education, protecting the planet, outdoor education. And, And really, it was one of the best jobs I had because I was outdoors with animals um, you know, up in Winlatter Forest in the Lake District. They were some of the best times, I've got to be honest. You know, working with young people and the learning for me from those young people um, really was the best foundation to be a psychologist ever.
0: <laughs> and listeners, I know you can't see Sue's face, but she's smiling as she says mm-hmm. this, you know, that I can see how much those memories hold for you. I'm um, really curious to hear more about, like, what you felt like the young people and yourself got from being in the outside, in the woodlands?
1: Yeah, I think it was connectedness. And connectedness was something bigger than self. So connectedness with each other, but connectedness with nature. And also throughout time, you know, that sense of the passage of time. Being in the present, but also the passage of time and the impermanence of everything. So the landscape was constantly changing. So nothing stayed the same. And however much we try to grasp and cling and to stay in that moment, we only have this one moment and then it's changed. And when we think about it, it changes (laughs) because we're reflecting on that moment. But just looking at the impermanence, the change of seasons and being part of that and that acceptance that actually everything changes you know, and the clinging and the striving there has got to be this just gentle acceptance that everything changes. And within that is a beauty. So the leaves will fall, you know, that there will be decay, there will be dying, and then renewal and growth. And this is all part of the natural cycle of life. And that's so important. And we're part of it. And we're part, the transformation is in us as well, you know, that ability to transform. And I think that's that's what the young people got. You know, that actually there is a transformative power in impermanence. It's not going to be fair at all.
0: I'm going to repeat that because that feels really massive. You know, there there is an something special about impermanence and a strength in it and a connection in it and something about the remembering of the past but staying rooted and grounded in the here and now. Absolutely. And you started to share how this has also influenced your practice as a counselling psychologist. Could you say more about that?
1: I think very much so. So as a counselling psychologist, I've worked in different contexts. So I've worked in CAMs. um, I've worked in people with eating disorders. um, So transdiagnostically, you know, different types of eating disorders. I've worked with people with learning disabilities. And then my current context uh, working in uh, complex safeguarding with the police, with uh, Greater Manchester Police, and advising on um, children who are being exploited criminally and sexually. There's a real need when we're working with children and professionals to move beyond the confines of a room and the talking. The talking process, I think, is as counselling psychologists, as psychologists, we can get laid down in words, whether we're offering consultation to professionals, whether we're working with young people creatively, it can still become so word heavy and we lose that embodied aspect. And when we're out, if we're doing walk and talk, if we're in a park and we can go to a tree and actually have that moment, you know, it's one thing to explain mindfulness, it's another thing to be mindful and to experience that in an embodied way. And I believe that we can do that with professionals we're working with and with young people or adults, so much more if we're out and about and we we lose this kind of weddedness to the room, you know, the, the therapeutic room, the chairs, the talking, And let's look at ourselves as embodied beings and recognize the the sacredness of that embodiment. Embodiment connects us to
0: all things, to nature. For me, to kind of build on that, it, it, it sounds like you're really highlighting this idea of shared humanity. And it's something about beyond the room, beyond everything. It's two people connecting in nature or a bunch of people being in themselves being present and just being human totally yeah. totally
1: that humanity and i think it's important as psychologists we don't lose our own sense of you know our vulnerability our humanness because i think it's very easy to to get to that point you know we're trained we think we know things and it we're just a work in progress we're learning from the people we work with we're learning from nature we're learning all the time and our vulnerability is actually our biggest strength. Maybe we can come to the room and, and recognize our vulnerability um, as two humans together um, and then take that out of the room and go into a bigger context. I just think there's so much strength in that, so much transformative potential for me is what why I'm a psychologist. Um, so at the moment I'm not in practice because um, I have a cancer diagnosis and I've got to say that my ontology as a psychologist is also helping me as a human being through my cancer journey. Um, And so it's quite difficult being out of practice at the moment for me because I've got, you know, work is so important to me. But I think there's something in that mission to be human and to be vulnerable and to recognise my own impermanence, you know, that this is a very serious um, diagnosis. And how can I bring those principles right back from when I was a child and learning from my mom to the learning, you know, the book learning as a psychologist and then the learning from the people I've worked with and nature. And really, I've got to say that being in nature is my lifeline Um, at the
0: moment, you know, my renewal, my source of energy uh, throughout my cancer journey. And I guess I'm really hearing this sense of embodiment that you're, you know, you yeah. just spoke about and describing in your life and in, in yourself, in terms of your personal journey, your personal struggles, and life. like thinking about that impermanence of us all, but being yeah. able to value and appreciate and still live in the present.
1: Absolutely. I think, I think that encapsulates it really well. And I think that transition from, uh, there's two kind of transitions uh, from a professional to being a patient. Suddenly, you know, having that label, the label that we as psychologists often, you know, reject. We're not, we're, we're working with people. We're not going to apologize people and suddenly be, they become patients, but very much in the medical model. Um, I am now a patient and, um, you know, Uh, My original diagnosis was bowel cancer, and that was successfully treated. So this has been a year-long journey for me. And then a recurrence in my spine, which is very, very unusual um, for bowel cancer, but not impossible. So very much the, the whole of what keeps me together, what embodies me and keeps me moving, my bones. I have cancer in my bones, and that is a huge thing to sort of come to terms with in terms of mobility and in terms of self and embodiment. And I think what's really helped me um, come to terms with that is my relationship with nature. And even now I'm managing to get out in nature and the Mm. difference that that makes to me, whether it's my garden and, you know, I love fir trees, roost tree, and that connects me with the time that I worked in Bosnia, actually, after the war with the mm-hmm. RSPCA International. So it's a very it's a huge tree. It was thought of this little tiny branch. It was a branch. It's now huge. It's mm-hmm. absolutely spectacular. You know, at Christmas, people come from miles to see it because we like to talk. <laughs> trees in our garden because I love fir trees. So to go out and to be near the fir trees and just to see, you know, the bees and the insects feeding from the fir tree and then um, birds nesting. So we had robins, you know, and instantly I feel a change. I'm connected. I feel
0: different inside my body. I know I've seen that with the people I've worked with. It's almost like when you're describing this to me, I'm, I'm really trying to picture it. Uh, and then you're, you're adding the details so I can, I can literally visualize the birds and then I'm thinking oh the lights and I think the thing that you're showing me is the while well, reminding me is the idea of kind of the memories and how how much like we have this physical tree fir tree in your yard that's bringing you happy memories but also present day memories and also that that chair and that that ability to be with you you know, and one of my favorite quotes is like, If you're you're with a tree, you can never be lonely. And Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love that quote. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. Particularly uh, very, very connected with my Serbian spruce tree. <laughs> uh it really, you know, resonates at home as a child. It was the apple trees. And okay. We have a number of apple trees in our garden and I used to talk to them and thank them for the apples because I loved the apples that we have Make food with apple pies, all sorts of different apple dishes, and I used to go and thank them because it was just so lovely, you know, to see these trees that were bearing this fruit. And you, you know, and I was quite little at this time, but I'd go out and talk to the trees, and that, my brother would think I was crazy, you know, he'd laugh laughing and say, "They can't," no, no. I said, "No, I'm sure they can," and they're very grateful that I thanked them. So there's something about that gratitude as well, you know, for the renewal. Um, and things being connected that, you know, that transition from professional to patient mm-hmm. is, is really, really quite difficult to navigate. And one which I kind of I view it as a, a kind of a responsibility. So the professionals I'm working with, I want them to know I'm a person. Mm-hmm. So all of my palliative care team have like a little story and the, the, the trees in there. So everything is in there, in pictures and very few words about me. So this is my professional life, a little bit. So there's me looking very professional in a Zoom call. <laughs> and then these are the people that are important to me. These are the animals that are important to me. This is place of home. And this is nature that's very important to me. So in guiding my principles of, of working with me, understanding with me, you know, understanding me, planning my treatment journey this is what matters to me it's not really about extending a life of misery it's about how can we promote and protect what is valuable to me so it's a values-based approach to care and I view that as a responsibility because if I keep doing this maybe they'll ask other people to do it everyone can be visible as a person you know, mm. so it's not it's not just about the professional. The professional is just one aspect of me. You know, it's about Susie the person, you know, with this history and this ability to connect with nature. Um, and I'm, I'm being cared for at the, the Christie Hospital. That is have this okay. beautiful garden. Okay, yeah. The garden is amazing. Um, it's full of roses um, mm-hmm. and life. You know, and, and often we'll, I'll go out there in between treatments or in between appointments and just connect professionals doing that. I see okay. people being treated doing that. And sometimes there's an acknowledgement, you know, there's a little connection. It's an
0: equalizer. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess I'm thinking about and smiling as you speak, because what I'm hearing is life. So in the midst of the pain that you're in and in the midst of going through treatment and talking through all of these people, you find ways of communicating to them what keeps you alive, what is meaningful for you, and what is the thing that you need in order to be okay, that value-based mm-hmm. care.
1: And it's just so important. And the response has been great.
0: People, yeah.
1: You know, everyone has wanted that. And everyone's been on board. And the same with the community, palliative care team. And that's really sort of inspired me, you know, Mm -hmm. and made me feel that actually people are doing this. You know, we hear so much negative press, don't we, about GPs, about uh, doctors, hospital waiting times. But there's so much good practice, excellent practice going on, person-centered care. And I think it's easy to lose sight of that. But when we start to expand it beyond, you know, the confines of pathologized, you know, talk just about illness and what's wrong, we start to look at actually what's working, what's
0: right. Yeah. And it's something about who is Susie, what is important to Susie, what parts of Susie's life do we need to make sure she keeps. One of the things that feels really special about you as I listen is that even in the midst of this time, you're thinking about, again, this this sense of how can you give back to others and that ripple effect that you continue to have on other people's lives. And you're thinking about how by your communication and your like sharing with professionals what you need, how they then might help somebody else in a different way.
1: Yeah, that feels so important. And I think that's, that's always, you know, guided my practice as a teacher and, and as a psychologist you know, that reciprocal learning mm-hmm. and that giving back all the time, you know, just wanting to, that transformative potential and having that in looking at, you know, what could change for the better. You know, impermanence is a good thing because things can change and they can change for the better. And there can be that
0: reciprocal learning and that growth. And it's, it's making me think back to your Bluebell, you know, your forest, right? And, you know, where we think about forest and we think about, what they do and how they support and how they share and how they're always giving. They're always in a state and growing. Yeah. Not
1: standing still, you know, that growth potential and then being grounded as well, knowing where you come from. So roots feel very important to me, you know, knowing who I am, where I come from, what matters to me and not just bending You know, it's very easy, isn't it, to be influenced by fads, trends, um, ideas. But that knowing who I am, not being rigid, but knowing who I am at the core of me, there are values and those values and ethics don't change. Whereas, you know, other things change. There's growth, but the values and ethics, they don't change. And who I am, where I come from, I'm very proud of that you know and, and I think I think often people are trying to change to be something else and that's probably a big statement I'm making but there's a lot of pressure and um, to always be changing to be someone else and you think hold on there's such a beauty in being imperfect and mm. I think the one that teaches us that you know the gnarled the gnarled roots and that you fall over the roots and the bark's all uneven and how beautiful is that so when you feel it, it's so beautiful because it's not all one texture. Yeah. You know, the smells are so different. And the I leaves are so different. True. Absolutely. And nothing can be replicated. So if we went into a paint shop and tried to match with a leaf, we couldn't do it. Nope. You know, I once did this with children on an animal adventure in an RSPCA context. And we had the paint, you know, the little paint sample swatches. And we were ages and nothing matches. So because it's unique, you know, yeah. and we're unique. And there's a beauty in that being imperfectly human.
0: And it's know? an inspiration in it as well. I guess I'm thinking they? about, like, if we think about where people get inspiration about patterns and looks and fashion, like, all of the fashion comes from nature. Like, yeah. when you look at birds and you look at feathers and you look at the patterns Girls. and the prints and the colors, you're like, wow. It totally comes from nature. And just
1: standing in that, when I think of standing in the Bluebell Wood or standing in other, so I've been to the Redwood Forest, you know, north of San Francisco. And I was so excited. I was like a child, you know, (laughs) to to go and try and hold a Redwood. And just the energy and thinking about, I love Vancouver Island. And that has made so much of an impression in my life. Just going you know, to North Vancouver Island, where you've got the temperate rainforest,
0: Hmm. which is a
1: protected UNESCO site, a biosphere, and just standing in the the rainforest with my eyes closed and knowing that there could be bears, cougars, but that feeling of embodiment, Embodiment. risk, safe risk, (laughs) you know, and just being among trees thousands of years old. thousands of years old that support us to be alive
0: that's the other key that supports us
1: yeah so amazing
0: it's making me think about some time I spent when I was in Costa Rica we went to the rainforest and I remember this one moment I have a picture of it because my sister snapped it and I'm just got my eyes closed it was raining and I'm surrounded by trees and I'm like I just gotta stop. I gotta pause for a moment. <laughs> and i like, awesome. of course, I got left by the group, but it was just, <laughs> which wasn't that great. But it felt like one of the most momentous moments of my life, just to to be there, connected, embodied. The rain on my face, the smells all around.
1: That's so evocative. I can kind of feel it. Yeah. Talk about it, and and those memories um they don't go it's almost like a timelessness isn't it Mm -hmm. about time that if if it was a really unpleasant memory it would seem like you wanted to get away from it and then it you know it goes kind of but there's something about a pleasant memory that stays and lives inside
0: yeah and it's something about again the the trees the the external the nature that activates the memories that help us to bring it alive again. And yeah. it, it keeps the stories going and going. I'm just oh, noticing okay. the time. Okay. <laughs> wow, that went quick. Okay, oh, very quickly. <laughs> I really enjoyed talking to you, Sue. But before we finish up, I would like to ask you a question. Okay. <laughs> the final question. So I just want you to remember the last time you went to your Bluebell Forest connecting with the trees, put yourself back there as you look around. If the tree had something to communicate and had some wisdom they want to leave with us, what would they say?
1: I think it would be about being grounded. And I think the tree would. There was a sense of being grounded and and it being okay. It being okay to be in my body. So the last time I went, it was quite difficult to go because my walking was quite restricted and the bluebells were out and I could smell the bluebells. And I was standing sort of right at at the start of the wood and it just looked massive. And I think it looked more massive because I couldn't make it right to the top where I usually went. And I just stood and held on to a tree and there was something about feeling safe in my body. The tree was kind of supporting me or we were together. And there was something about being grounded and safely embodied, even in this body that is kind of going a bit wrong, <laughs> going catastrophically wrong, you know, with the, with the with the bone cancer. There was a sense of safety and a sense of groundedness. and And that felt so powerful. Wow. Something that... I connect with when Mm. I feel you know I'm having a bad day and when things going when it's tough I do connect with that that actually it's safe it's okay to be in this body Mm. you know I am standing it's okay but there's something about connection with the truth yeah something bigger that I'm part of something bigger and that impermanence is okay this is how it's meant
0: to be this is the cycle of life and it's okay wow thank you again for sharing with us Sue. and thank you listeners for being here with us and remember stay rooted stand tall breathe and be like a tree